continue to move forward. Uh, go ahead and grab your tablets, your smartphones, if you want to follow along that way. Um, today um, is week one of a four-week series that we're going to be dealing with what I'm calling the essentials of our walk with God, the essentials of our walk with God. And of course, that involves both prayer and God's Word. So we're going to dig a little bit deep here in these next four weeks with some of those things. Today, as Nick has mentioned, we're beginning our 21 days of prayer. And uh, I really, really, really am excited about it. And I, I really want to know that, that uh, you're understanding that we're doing things a little bit differently because we want more people involved. We want you to come. We want you to be praying. Do I have to come to church in order for God to move at Word of Life? No, you don't have to. But we're trying to do something corporately as a family, as a, as a church body. So we encourage you to do that. Come and go as you please. There's going to be music playing. Coffee's going to be on. It's going to be worth the drive. If there is school cancellations, even throughout the week, we will not have prayer that, that day, you know, because there's just been bad weather and snow. No sense of you trying to get out in that. Plus, probably we're going to have to plow and all that other stuff, too. So if the weather, if school is canceled, no prayer for that particular day at Word of Life, but we can pray at home. Give me an amen. amen. So this is week one of a four-week series, and uh, as I've said, we're going into 21 days of prayer. Just so you know, I am a big-time believer in prayer. I really am. I believe in the power of prayer so much. I made a decision, I don't know, about four decades ago or more, that prayer is a non-negotiable component part of, component of my life. It is just a non-negotiable component of my life. I am a strong believer that prayer changes everything. Everything that, that uh, we are praying about goes before our Father, and He makes decisions, and He begins to move according to His will and plan for each and every one of our prayers. Consequently, I pray every single day. In fact, I have no clue where I would be at today if I wasn't a man who had prayed. I really believe that God is the one who has helped me through whatever those things are in life that has kept me going, and I'm grateful for that. I also believe that the next 21 days of prayer and fasting could not only revolutionize your life, for you, but I also believe that it could revolutionize Word of Life, our entire church. Because again, prayer changes everything. Prayer changes everything. Those young new disciples, those followers of Jesus, began watching Jesus very closely. They knew that this was someone who has a deep connection with God, unlike anyone, anyone they've ever known or seen before. They've never seen anybody do what Jesus did. They witness how Jesus had this love for people, in fact, for all people. The constant love and compassion and care and wisdom and grace, miracles and healings. The words of life that Jesus would just dole out on a regular basis to individuals and even crowds that would gather around him when he would come and minister. If you were to ask a disciple, what was the secret what was the secret to, to Jesus' supernatural life? What was it? They would answer with a one-word response, and that would be prayer. Prayer. They would say prayer. Jesus prayed. Hands down, Jesus prayed a lot. No one prayed like Jesus prayed. Always praying, always seeking, always getting away to be with his heavenly Father. When Jesus prayed, things happened. I have a number of scriptures that we're going to be projecting with this little portion here that I'm talking about. And they're not going to be references that you're going to see. I want you to take these notes and I want you to read it on your own. So when Jesus prayed, things happened. 
Such as in Luke chapter 3, verse 21, when Jesus was water baptized, he prayed, and the Bible says, heavens opened over him, and a voice came from heaven that said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You can find that in all scriptures. In Luke chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, Jesus dealing with crowds of people, crowds of people who would come to hear him and would come to be healed. The Bible says that he would go to the mountain and pray. He would withdraw himself from the crowd so that he would be refreshed. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, in making big decisions of his life, Jesus again would go to the mountain and pray, and he would pray for uh, hours. He would pray through the night, the Bible would say. In Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 32, Jesus prayed for his friends. He prayed for his friends. In fact, in particular, he prayed for Peter. Jesus walked up to Peter and said, Satan has asked, asked for you. But Jesus says, but I prayed for you. I prayed. And then there's Luke 22. Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 45. Jesus prayed for hours. He prayed for hours as he faced the ultimate challenge that he, of his death on that cross for the sins of the world. Do you realize do you realize how critical that prayer time was? It would be that particular prayer time. And I'm so grateful that Jesus prayed. I'm so grateful that Jesus taught us to pray. I'm so grateful that God calls us to pray. It would be that particular prayer time that, that uh, would cause Jesus to finally say yes to his Father. Yes, that your will, not my will be done, but that your will be done. Thank God. Thank God. Do you know how close we were to never having a Redeemer? Do you know how close we were that we would never have our sins forgiven? But because of prayer, because Jesus connected with his heavenly Father, he said, not my will be done, but your will be done. That's our salvation. That's what made us right with God here in this room. Would you give the Lord a round of applause for being so faithful in prayer? And just maybe you might need that for yourself. Maybe you might need to move toward Christ and have your sins forgiven. And ask God to become Lord and leader of your life. You see, when Jesus prayed, things happened every single time. And for those 12 disciples, they had a front row seat. They were, were able to watch and to listen to the greatest prayer who had ever lived. When Jesus prayed, things happened. Listen to this. Jesus took three of his disciples... Excuse me, Jesus took three of his disciples up to another mountain, went to the hills often to pray, went to some places where he wouldn't be interrupted, where he could be alone with his father. So this one time, he takes three of his disciples with him off to prayer, Peter, James, and John. And listen to what it says here in Luke chapter 9, beginning with verse 29. As he prayed, as Jesus prayed, the appearance of his face was altered, and his robe became glistening and, and uh, white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him, who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he was uh, about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Did you hear that? Did you hear what, what took place? Get the picture of all of this. Jesus goes to this mountain, takes three of his men with him, and as he's there and he begins to pray, the Bible says like all of a sudden his facial uh, appearance was altered. His robe became glistening and white. Then Moses, Moses and Elijah appeared in glory as well. And they began to speak to Jesus about what was going to be happening, his death that would happen soon in Jerusalem. 
Can anybody say, freak me out? Can you imagine this? Can you imagine being even with the Son of God? And as you're with him and he begins to pray, that all of this begins to happen. I mean, it was just absolutely incredible. I'm thinking these guys are saying, what is going on? What is going on here today? Well, obviously, in verse 33, they said these words. Uh, Peter, James, and John said, it is good for us to be here. And the reason why they said it is because you never know what God's going to do when you pray. You just don't know. You and I don't know. And just so that you do know, this time in prayer with Jesus would change their whole life from the inside out. It would change their whole perspective toward God and towards prayer. Can you imagine? Has anybody ever had anything like that happen to them that you became glistening white and all that? No, it probably hasn't, more than likely. I personally believe that one of our deepest passions as a true follower and believer of Christ is to know and to experience God in supernatural ways, in unbelievably supernatural ways. I believe that prayer coupled with the Word of God, which is the Bible, truly is the only way you're ever going to experience the dynamism of, of experiencing God, the fullness, the fullness of His presence and power will only come by prayer, by seeking God, and of course going through His Word. So Jesus had just completed another time in prayer, another time he comes back from praying, and one of the disciples had this thought, and the thought was something like this. What if we asked Jesus to teach us how to pray? What if we would do that? I, then one of the other guys said, that's a great idea, let's ask him. They do. They go and ask Jesus, and of course Jesus said, sure, I would love to. Yes, I'll teach you how to pray. And I believe, I believe that, that Jesus was just waiting, waiting for that question to come along. Jesus didn't hide his prayer life. In fact, he exposed it. It was clear to them that Jesus always went off to pray at different places, different times. Jesus led by example in everything. The disciples knew how long he would be gone and how often he would pray. And also, part of, of all of this was his plan, in my opinion. It was his plan. It was a setup, in a good way, but it was a setup to get followers to start seeking after God. They had never really understood the depth and the dimension of what it would be like to really pray, to really be seeking after God. Maybe many of them were caught up into the ritualism of prayer, but not necessarily the intimacy of prayer and what it is that God would want to do within those hearts and within those lives. And I believe that Jesus was, was thinking and, and looking at the fact that, that this is what was taking place. I also believe uh, that the, the reason for all of that is a twofold reason. Number one, that Jesus knows that prayer changes everything. Jesus knows this. They want to learn how to pray. And Jesus says, okay, we're gonna, I'm going to teach you. And what Jesus begins to do is that he talks to them about prayer. And, they real, and, and he knows that everything is going to change for these people if they would pray. So number one, Jesus knows that prayer would change everything. And number two, Jesus know, knows that these disciples would one day carry that truth to future generations. Which takes us here today. Which I confess to you in all honesty, this message is also a setup for all of you who are here today as well. So that your whole life, your walk with God, your relationship with Jesus would be dramatically and powerfully changed as a result of prayer. As a result of you and I seeking after God. As your pastor, I'm telling you today that I believe that the only way of truly knowing and experiencing the power, the love, the grace, the joy, the hope, the fullness of God 
can only come by God's word and by an effective prayer life. So let's dig in one area. I want to dig in one area today just a little bit that Jesus teaches us on, teaches us something on life-giving prayer that I believe is going to change your life as well. And probably many of you already do this, I hope anyhow. Go with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And here's what Jesus says. He says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues or the churches and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by, by men. And assuredly, Jesus said, I say to you, they've had their reward. Jesus, who was the master prayer, immediately began to teach his disciples on how to pray. Why? Because prayer changes everything. Prayer changes everything. Through prayer, God wants to revolutionize your life. Yes, there are different ways to pray, different prayer emphasis to life-giving prayer. And I believe that Jesus uh, wants to take you and I beyond where we're at right now. Wherever you're at in your, in your walk with God in your life, wherever you may be, I believe that God, Jesus wants to take us beyond where we're at in life right now to a place that we've never been before and change everything for the good. He wants to go deeper. The Bible says that God, God goes from glory to glory. There's a constant work that God is, is doing in us. We've not arrived at the level of where God wants us to be. The truth is, the truth is, um, the first thing that Jesus begins to talk about here in Matthew chapter 6 is where people pray. Where people pray. And the truth behind that is, is that you can literally pray anywhere. You can pray anytime and God is going to hear your prayer. Probably for 60, 70 or more percent of American Christians... Our prayer time typically is in the car. It's on our way to work, to school, to the gym, whatever it may be. It's, it's that few moments that we have. Just We can shout it out. We can sing it out. We can do whatever we want. But it's typically within the car. But Jesus, the master prayer, begins to teach on life-giving prayer. And he's, and he's basically saying this. It's location, location, location. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about the location. There really is a proper and an improper place to pray. So I read it again to you, Matthew, because Jesus says, when you pray, I don't want you to pray like the hypocrites do. I want you to go once again to Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And let me read it to you one more time. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have, they have their reward. Jesus talking about a group of religious people who wanted everybody to know how, just how religious they really were. According to Jesus, they were only doing this for a show. It's what the Son of God says. In fact, the Son of God nails it right there in verse 5. He says, they love to pray in the synagogues or the church. They love to pray in the, in the church and on the streets to be seen by men. To be seen by men. So these guys would make a public spectacle of themselves, praying public prayers, a bunch, as far as I'm concerned, a bunch of nothing but religious goobly-goop that they're talking about, and they're nothing but hypocrites. The Son of God is identifying that. Jesus knew that it was only a show. In other words, the Son of God would be saying, they don't really want what they're saying, what they're praying for. They don't really want or believe that God will ever answer their prayer. It's not something those Pharisees are believing God for. And they are, what they are looking for is all that they're going to get. And what they want is this. They wanted the applause and the praise of men. Man, 
Are you ever religious? Are you ever a God-fearing man? But Jesus, teaching them on, uh, teaching them then and us right now, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, he takes it to a whole new level. Listen to what the Son of God says. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Did you hear that? Jesus said, and Jesus is saying right now to each and every one of us, when you pray, you go into your room and you shut the door. Remember, Jesus is wanting to take you and me to a place that probably we've never been to before, at a new level. Most of us, as I said a moment ago, we pray on the run. We pray while driving to work or school or at the gym. And basically that prayer, I know because I've done it. I've done it many times. Basically our prayer is nothing more than, God, would you fix this? Would you give me that? And would you do this? God, would you bless me? Would you help me? Would you heal me? God, would you protect me while I'm putting makeup on, doing 75 miles an hour down 690? And oh, please don't let that cop see my, text, my phone while I'm texting. But listen, Jesus who had this connection with God has never been seen before. Never been seen before. Jesus said, I want to take you to a place you've never been. He says, so I want you to go into your room. Shut the door. Listen to your pastor. Just this one step alone. I don't know how many of you do that. But just this one step alone, as far as I'm concerned, can and will revolutionize your whole prayer life. Not just, not just your prayer life, but your entire life. God getting some alone time with you. The radio not blaring. You're not driving your car. You've gone into your room. And your room can be whatever you want that to be. And I don't suggest it to be the bathroom either. Let's move on. But anyhow. It can revolutionize your life. Marianne and I have a great marriage. On November 16th of 2018, we will be 45 years happily married. And we're thrilled with that. And, uh, of course, we've raised um, four kids. Our kids are no different than your kids in any way, shape, or form. They were all very involved with sports and school and friends and even church. So let me say this. If our interaction, if our only conversation as husband and wife, Marianne and I, if our own conversation as husband and wife was only on the run, every time our kids would go somewhere, the, you know, we, we had to take them to this game or to this sport or this school or this church event or whatever, if all our communication and intimacy and talking was on that run that we do, and a lot of you as parents know exactly what I'm talking about because a lot of you are doing this. But if that was the only conversation that we would have, I'm telling you right now, after being married 45 years to the, the woman of my life, to the dream uh, marriage that I would ever want and ever believe for, I'm telling you we would both feel that there was some huge disconnect because we're just not communicating. But, oh baby, but if Marianne and I went to our room, Shut the door 
and lock the door. Come on, Jesus. Oh, yeah, baby. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Whoa. Now that, that would take our, <coughs> that would take, I'm choking on what I'm talking about now. <clears throat> that would take our relationship to a whole new level, baby. Do you know what I'm talking about? Give me a yes or a no. Do you know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> so in your marriage, you can have those conversations on the run, and most do, dealing with the chaos of life that you constantly deal with and the demands that are on you, and you feel disconnected. Or, or you can make room for an intimate connection and relationship that God created for marriage that is, that is actually a mirror that is reflecting what God wants in relationship with you and with me. So the choice is yours. Jesus is telling you and I, while he's teaching them on prayer, he's saying something like this. He's saying, you know, you can, you can talk with God for the rest of your life on the run. It's not that that's wrong, but there's more. And, and, and you will never really deeply connect with God, or, or you can start today. And I want you to start today. This is day one of 21 days of prayer and fasting. <clears throat> Where you could go to your room and you can shut the door behind you and enter into levels of life and love and grace and hope and mercy and direction that you've never had before. I'm so grateful that I've been a man of prayer. I'm grateful that God made this real to me. I'm grateful that he's given me the opportunity. This here is my prayer room. This is my room. I come through that door, the farthest one on the right, I have the lights on real low, and I'm in here no less than 30 minutes, maybe as long as an hour. And on September 5th, 2016, the day after my son died, it was just me and my father. I will not go into any detail as to what took place, but it was the most intimate, the most incredible, the most hope-filled, the most life-giving moment of my life at my darkest time. I don't want that on anybody. But I'm sort of of a thought that if I didn't have a prayer life, if I wasn't seeking God the way that God says to, this is, this is not new to every one of us. This, we've heard this before in some way, shape, or form, I'm sure. Go in and shut the door. Meet alone with your father. So I challenge you that if you haven't done that, that maybe, maybe, just maybe you should. Maybe today would be the day that you would start that. Look at what it says in verse 6. And Jesus says these words, And your father, who, is, who, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. The reward isn't that you're going to get everything that you want, but praying behind closed doors does carry a promise. When your heavenly father sees you intentionally carving out time to be with him and doing more than you would ever or normally do in seeking him, Jesus, the master prayer, says, your father, your father, father God, the supreme ruler of the universe, he's going to reward you. There will be a reward coming your way. There will be something that will come take place in your life. And for those of you who are here today who do go behind closed doors on a regular basis, wouldn't you say, wouldn't you agree with me that it is worth still doing? Give me a yes or a no. It is. 
It is worth doing. Now I got to do what Nick did when he was preaching here last Sunday. <clears throat> it is worth doing. <clears throat> In fact, I'm, I'm, um, <clears throat> I'm really praying that there would be many of us here at Word of Life who would really have a deeper and more meaningful time with God in their time with prayer, that you would seek after that, that you would determine that this is where you're going to go. Listen, <clears throat> that, that it wouldn't be just the time that you come to church, sing a song or two, listen to a message, and I'm out of here, and I'm done. No, there's more to what God has in store for you. There's more that God has, because it, instead what you and I should be doing is be dwelling in his presence. Part of the reason why I wanted them to continue with that song of I love you, Jesus, I love you, Lord, is because of that. I want us to dwell in, for a few moments anyhow in his presence, hearing his voice, his spirit leading us <clears throat> possibly as never before as we do that. It's just, it just seems like you go deeper and deeper with God. In many ways, he wants us to go deeper. It's like when you're reading the Word of God, all of a sudden, as you're reading the Word of God, it's like the, the Word jumps off the pages at us, and it gives us encouragement. It even takes us to a place of convicting us uh, away from our usual sinful ways that we're involved with. It's God doing a work within us. He's leading you and I into the deeper and, and right places. He's leading you and I into all the right places that we need to be. In other words, that kind of prayer brings life change. And it happens through prayer. I am having faith as I've never had before. It's truly, this is truly like my Heavenly Father is rewarding me for being intimate with him, for taking that time of seeking after him. It's truly like God is doing that and, and uh, is doing that openly, taking me to a new level of his love and grace and power as never before. Charles Finney, many of us know about him. Charles Finney is a famous evangelist in the 1800s. He was a follower of Jesus. And he says these words. He said, he too who had a deep uh, encounter with God himself, he declared these words. Listen to what he said. He said, in this deep encounter, he said, the Holy Spirit descended on me in a manner that seemed to, to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like, like a wave of electricity going through and through me. And listen to this. And he says, indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. that would come. It seemed like the very breath of God himself coming into my life and that's Finney who was experiencing new levels of God's love and grace and power through prayer God your heavenly father who desperately loves you Jesus says when you pray I want you to go to your room and shut the door and be alone with God who who is in that secret place that you and him alone together and Jesus says it's going to revolutionize you it's going to change everything for you. If you desire a deeper level of life-giving prayer, Jesus says, you have to get alone with God. Listen, prayer is not just asking God for stuff, telling God what you need. He's God. <clears throat> he knows exactly what you need. And it's not that God is saying, I don't want to hear the list. You can, you should, it's okay to do that. But what Jesus is really saying through all of this to us going to a new level, don't just go into the room and shut the door and say, okay, here's my list of what I want, God. He's not looking for that. Don't think that all God wants to hear about are your requests for what you want. And Randy Chiz always has a long list. So it's not God just wanting that. Prayer is not trying to convince God to give you what you desire. 
But the amazing fact of prayer is, is that God has personally invited you and me to be with him, to close the door, personal life-giving time with the God of the universe. As I close, the single most important thing in your life, in your life, now I want you to hear me. It's not your money. It's not your career. It's not your hobbies. It's not your boyfriend or your girlfriend. It's not your, your spouse, your kids, your parents, your church. Yes, they're important. In fact, they're very important. But they're not the most important. The single most important thing in your life above all else is your relationship with God. Your relationship with your Heavenly Father. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God is just waiting. Right now, He's waiting for these 21 days and beyond for you to get intimate with him, to be alone with him. Shut the door. Just you and God. And many times for Randy Chiz, I'm not saying a word. I'm just in his presence. God wants to be alone with you. He's waiting to take you to places you've never been before. Psalm 91 verses 1 and 12. 1 and 2 says these words, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord that he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. Going into that secret place of the Most High means you're going deep. You're not going deep just with theological knowledge. You're not going deep trying to define theology. But you're going deep like David says here. It's living there, being with God, and experiencing the fact that he is your refuge. He is your fortress. He is your God that you now know you can trust him no matter what may be going on in your life. I want to close off with a, prayer, uh, with a story that maybe you've heard, maybe you haven't. Because prayer changes everything. <clears throat> Some of you may have heard about the individual by the name of George Mueller. George Mueller was one of the greatest missionaries that ever lived. What a lot of people didn't know about George Mueller is that he lived a very, very sinful lifestyle before he, uh, up to the age of 30 years old. And when he was 30 years old, he decided to go to a small group, a life group, um, kind of groups that we have here at Word of Life. And there at that life group, he gave his life to the Lord. He became born again. And here's something else that probably a lot of people don't know about him. He was actually training for ministry. George Mueller, at this time, before he went to the life group, he was training for ministry. And the reason why he was training for ministry and also living in sin at the same time was minister, ministers were actually employees of the government. And as a result of that, they would have a steady job. So he's training for ministry so that he can be a government employee and have a steady job while he's living in outright sin. Then he goes off to the small group, ends up in a home, a small group, and there he gets converted and he gives his life to the Lord. So guess what George Mueller does? He prays. He prays, God, what do you want me to do? Do you still want me to be in ministry? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? So God put a nation on George's heart. God put a nation on his heart. <clears throat> and God said to him, I want you to become a missionary. So he went to his father, who had the means, by the way. He went to his father and asked, would you mind sending me to missionary school? And the father said, absolutely not. We are not going to do that. You, you won't have a steady income being a missionary. I want you to go down the road that you're going. I want you to work for the government. And uh, he says, I'm not going to do that. So what do you think George Mueller did? 
George Mueller, he prayed. In fact, he prayed for two months. And in those two months, after those two months, God said to him, now I want you to go to missionary school and I will provide. I will take care of you. So he went and he went to register. And while he was standing in line at the registry in his school, the missionary school, as he was standing there, this guy walks up to him and sticks some money in his pocket of his coat. Just stick the money in, the, in his pocket. By the time he got up to the register, registry to register, they told him exactly how much money it would cost him for missionary school. Not having a clue what it was, pulled the money out, put it on the table, and it was the exact amount of money that he needed to pay for missionary school. The exact amount. So he completes missionary school, and then he goes before the board of the school, and they declined him. They declined him because he led such a sinful life in his previous years, and they said to him, you will never make a good missionary with all the sin that you've been exposed to. No, you're not going with us. So guess what? What do you think George Mueller did? He prayed again. And this time he prayed for one full year. And the Lord told him, now I want you to go to a particular country. And as he goes to that particular country, he goes to a particular city, and there was only one church in that city. He goes to that church. As he walks into the church, he says to the people there, uh, my name is George, can I please meet with the pastor? They said to him, our pastor resigned last week. He responded and said, I just graduated from missionary school, and they said, you're hired. <laughs> you're the next pastor of our church. After a few months, they found out, he, he found out the way that they were supporting the church and what they were doing, listen to this, they were renting pews to the wealthy people. You can sit anywhere, anywhere if you want right there for those, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, for wealthy members. So the wealthy members could have the good seats. So George got up as he would typically do and he began to preach and he preached on tithing and he preached on uh, not showing partiality and, and uh, declared at the end of this that we're going to begin to give to God as the Bible says, we're going to tithe and there will never be more, any more partiality within the church. And furthermore, he said, we're not going to pass offering plates any longer. What we're going to do is put offering buckets at the exits of the church and people will give that way. This is back in the 1800s. Their offerings went up. People began to give uh, the way that God says to give with the tithe. And then God did another thing. God put uh, on his heart, on George's heart, to open up an orphanage. So what do you think George Mueller did? He prayed. And all of a sudden, someone came to George and said to him, I would like to give the money for you to start up an orphanage. Although George had never once made it public what God had told him. It was only in his time of prayer. And this person said and did that. So George started one missionary, then started another one. And over the course of 60 years of being a missionary, he started more orphanages than, uh, than any missionary or any mi missionary organization ever since. In his missions account, which is money over and above their tithe, which is what we do here at Word of Life, our tithe is not our missions giving. Our tithe is our tithe. Uh, their their uh, mission giving, which was above their tithe, tithe brought in over $7.5 million in the 1800s. When he was 93 years old and eight months, 93 and eight months old, he has been saved now for 60 years and eight months. That's why it's so specific. 
he was just about ready to pass away. And the friend who was taking care of him heard George, prayer, uh, heard George pray. And he called on the name of a man that he had been his friend when he was 30 years old before he had gotten saved. Now that man turned his back on God and said to George, I will never accept Christ, and he never had. George Mueller is calling out this man's name at 63 years and eight months later. And the caretaker friend said to him, did you pray for this guy all these years? And George Mueller said, yes, I prayed for him every single day, every day since I accepted Christ. A few days later, of course, he passed. He died. And, uh, and this uh, caretaker was with him at the funeral. And, uh, and as he was there, he looked and he saw that this friend that George had been praying for was also at the service. And at the conclusion of the service, this man that he prayed for walked up to his grave, got down on his knees, and publicly gave his life to Jesus Christ. Why? Because God answers prayer. And because prayer changes everything. Would you stand with me to your feet? Like I'd have our intercessors come on down. If you're here today and you've not yet given your life to Jesus, maybe just maybe the Holy Spirit would be tugging on you today. This is real. Prayer is for most people is not the most exciting subject in the world to talk about it. Talk about. But it's a reality. And if you want something excited in your life happening, you need to be one who's praying. Today we're gonna close with a, our final song and if you would like prayer, these men and women have been praying for the last 45 minutes and they're ready to pray with you right now. And while we're singing a song, you can immediately get up out of your seat and come on down and let them pray over you and go back to your seat. And we would welcome that. We're going to do this one song and then I'll release everybody.